You're listening to the Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON. It's your girl, Samantha Thomas. Shout out to Jill Scott. She always gets me going, gets me, like, excited. Because Jill is a lady that knows what she wants. You know what I'm saying? And she had an interview not too long ago, um, well, a few years ago at the Breakfast Club, I believe. And she said, if you can't tell me what to do, then you can't tell me what to do. Jill Scott is one of the reasons why I like music. And she also uh, helped me out with a few relationships before. But on my shows, y'all know we have conversations. Sometimes those conversations that hurt you, like I say, but they're here to heal you. And I might give you a little Neosporin to patch yourself up. But, you know, it's, it is what it is with some of these conversations that I give you because I like to give it to you straight. And that is why I'm so excited and honored to have my next guest on the line. Because, hey, what I see from him is keeping it real at an all-time high with a little bit of um tough self-love. And, love. well, he going to let us know what kind of love he gives to people. You have seen him. You've heard his voice. And if you haven't gotten a chance to get your hands on his book, you doing yourself a disservice in life and in love. And my guest tonight, he is the one and only Pastor Calvin Robertson. And he's going to talk to us tonight about his book, Marriage Ain't for Punks. Pastor Calvin Robertson, how you doing this evening, brother? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. I have no complaints. Listen, well, I, I don't have any complaints either. I will say this. I'm complaining about the snow in Chicago, though. So I don't know what the weather is where you are. I don't want to know what the weather is like where you are because I'm probably going to get you. Don't want to. No. You, you know, you know, I, and I'm not going to tell you that it's, it's 68 degrees outside. I, you, you slid that in. You slid it in you anyway. Know. Slid it right on there. Where you at, Pastor Robinson? Where, where you calling this from? Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, okay. I'm real jealous. Yes, sir. ATL, baby. Oh, Southern House. Is that where you're born and raised? No, I'm from Virginia. I was born in Southern Virginia. Spent a lot of my adult life in in Northern Virginia, DC area, uh-huh. and uh, ended up in Atlanta. You know, to uh, pass. I pastor a church here, and I write and I books, and I'm doing the TV thing. So it's a lot going on. Well, the TV thing, I didn't know how far we could go with it, but people have seen your face on on this show. I don't know if they know about the show. You know, if they under rock. They don't know about the show. But you're helping people right. who like to get married at first sight. That's what I say. So, hey, yeah. <laughs> hey, coming to a city near you. So, ooh, ooh. I remember when I first heard the premise of the show, I said, yeah, they better than me. But then when you look at it, it's like, well, maybe I could do that. Maybe I should do that. Hey. I don't know. But I- we have a lot of a lot of successful marriages and about. Eight, seven or eight babies that are that that have come as a result of it. So. Woo! Shout out to the kids. I, I'm not on that page yet, Pastor Robertson. But what I will say, Pastor Robertson, is I am so excited that I got my hands on a copy of this book. So every night on my on the evening oh. show, we talk about topics that are under three pillars, and I um, call them the Black Family, Black Love, and the Black Man. Because what I awesome. always say is, in order for those three to work together, we got to get ourselves together as people. So yeah, well, every night we have callers that call in on the show. I have certain topics. I know um, a couple of them that I can name off the top of my head. Are your friends keeping you single? Is there a son-husband pandemic? That was real popular last week. Um, are you progressively wow. paralyzed? Yeah, I talked about the, the, the son-husband the son pandemic. That was really uh, popular. Um, a lot of people call wow. in, yeah. And uh, one of my shows recently was The, the Secret Success, Why Don't Marry People Mentor? And that is one mm. thing. Yeah, I, I really dug deep into that because I'm 41, not yet married. I'm in a, a, a very intentional relationship. I don't just see a relationship, but an intentional relationship. I've, not, I've never like, been in. You like that? 
like that. I like that, yeah. (laughs) Well, well, I'm glad to have your approval on that because this gentleman came to me with intention. And when I talk to my different guests, there are so many different spheres that people come from, different topics, conversations, but they all get people going. And one of the main things you get some people, well, you know, I don't want to be married or you get the people that really want to be married. I'm big on companionship, Pastor Robertson. How much Mm -hmm. is companionship? What what do you really think about companionship? Don't you think we need it or do you think it's just should be, you know, optional? Oh, no. I think we are made the way we are wired is that we need socialization. It is. It's as natural to us as breathing. Mm-hmm. Some years ago, there was a, um, a, a survey that was done, actually an experiment that was done uh, about, probably about 20 or so years where a monkey was put into a cage with only wire, mm. and another monkey was raised around normal monkeys, the one that was put into the, the cage with only wire. When they put him back out into the regular monkey society, he was reclusive, he was to himself, he didn't know, he would lash out because he didn't have that, that that socialization right we as human beings we need people and when people say well all i need is jesus so i don't oh, buy it okay. i don't oh no you need someone in your life to be a a, a romantic partner a a uh, an intimate partner of some kind mm-hmm. why do we always run to jesus i love the lord he heard my cry i say that every day he heard my cry he hear my cry every day Pastor. but why do we always just I, all i need is jesus what does that because come from? It's a cat. It's such a cop out, and, and I'm, I'm, it is. I think we've been taught that we've been taught when Jesus will supply you all your needs. Look, yeah. man and woman were made to be together. It's just the way it is. You know, we were, we were, we were, we were made for companionship, and there's nowhere anywhere where you know the Bible that I've, I've read says that Jesus is going to be your husband. <laughs> Jesus never read that. Yeah, he, he proposing and everything, apparently proposing to the people yeah, exactly. at the altar. They go get a ring at the altar. and they. <laughs> but I, I'm not against it. I, I pray. I believe in I believe in, in, in Jesus. I believe in God. I just think that sometimes, um, especially now, and me being, I, I call myself, Pastor Robertson, a, a reformed modern woman because I was raised to be mm-hmm. independent. And so, and, I, and you're calling me. You, you, you're, so, you're so formal with my name. Am I this saying Pastor it wrong? Cal is fine. Oh, Pastor, Pastor Cal. Cal. Okay, thank you. Let me put that uh-huh. down. All right, Pastor Cal, I appreciate that because I, yeah. hey, yeah, you know, cool. I want to be sure. All right, so Pastor Cal, I'm raised yeah. to be independent, and a lot of my friends. I'm in an organization. I am um, very active in what I do. And I was in every committee that you can name, but I'm one of the people. And I, I talked about this before as well. I had everything and nothing. And when I say everything, and nothing, yeah, every uh, awards for my career, all of this. But mm-hmm. the main thing I was missing was love. Why are so yes. many of us women afraid to say that we want to be with somebody? Why do you think that? You know, I think I think and I'm glad you said afraid. I, I think it's because we're afraid of being disappointed. And I see this on men with men and women. Mm-hmm. For some reason, we I think we, we've missed out on what marriage is all about yeah. and we look we're looking at romanticism and we're looking at and all that's good stuff but i think that that people are afraid to have of having their hearts broken and i don't think we understand what real love is love is not about feeling it's not about that the romantic thing that's all good that's icing on the cake but real love is about making a decision to be committed to another person's legitimate need Mm-hmm. It's about making a decision. And, I, and that's why I like when you said earlier, I'm in a purposeful relationship. 
Because you guys have come together. You know why you're together. You're making a commitment to be together for a reason. Yes. And I'm I'm just speaking for you here. Yes. I I hear, I believe that's what you're saying. It is. It is. He's a good man. And it's not just about, you know, I love you. You're you're 6'3", and you just, oh, you got this and you got that. No, it's it's so much more than that. And so when people don't really understand what love and commitment and relationships, what it really is about, and we just lean on the feelings part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's some scary stuff to get involved in because feelings get hurt real easy. You know, feelings. And a lot of people, I, I hear by the time they get their feelings hurt so much, they say, well, I'm numb now. I don't have any feelings. Yes, you do. The right person yes. is alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You always have feelings. That That's you know what you what we do is that when we're hurt so much we create we do create sort of a, a, a wall we create barriers right and those barriers you know are designed to keep people at bay uh, when I met my wife when we're second timers when I met her uh, she told me she wasn't interested in getting married is that what I'm, not, I'm just looking for a friend oh yeah she's beautiful she said, by the way she's beautiful huh got to give a prop she's beautiful by the way Make oh, she, oh thank oh thank you yes yeah, she is but you know she's she, she said she just wants a friend, and I said I'm not looking for friends. Oh, I said I got a few good ones, and I'm done. I'm not taking any applications for any more friends. <laughs> what did she say? But- she looked at me and she said, "She said, well, that's all I got to offer." So I told her, I said, "Listen, here's the truth. Because I look, this is the way I roll. I said, look, you know you like me, mm-hmm. you just don't want to admit it." And she thought I was arrogant, and we did not talk for the next two or three, but, but almost a month, two or three weeks. Okay. And then uh, I called her back, and she said, oh, I thought you had kicked me to the curb. I said, I thought we were just friends. I said, ah, you do like me. You really do. <laughs> Can I ask and how from you... that point on, it was a done deal. We understood when we got into it that this wasn't about just being cool and being buddies. I wasn't looking for no friends. Yeah. You know, but, but, but Pastor Cal, when people say I'm just looking for friends— I don't buy that one either. I don't buy the jazz. No, 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 no. No, because we want something deeper, but we're afraid to 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 speak it. We're afraid to put that out there yeah. for fear of getting hurt. So we friendship is like the the the, the lowest. That's like the least, the most minimal relationship we can have. We're just gonna be friends. Let's just go there. Friends would benefit yeah. some people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you know they want the, the beneficial part of the friendship, and I, I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, but then that's even worse. That's letting opening up your heart from a wound. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, how do you? Okay, because I was reading a, a, a survey where I want to get into Mary Jane for punks because I want. How did you come up with that title, <laughs> Mary Jane for punks? How did you get into this? Well, you know what, my wife and I, we we've been doing marriage conferences probably for the last, uh, I guess, thirteen, fourteen years almost. We've been doing conferences, you know, all over the country and international. And um, and so uh, Marriage Day for Punks is something that we have been saying for a long time. Right. Um, it became popular when I said it on the show, but it's something that we've been saying for a long time. And so when we, we changed the name of our company, our conferences, from Married and Naked, Marriage and for punks because married and naked was trademarked and they were doing some other stuff that, that we didn't want to be involved with. Okay. So we had to change it to marriage and for punks because it's something that we believe. We realize through our own experiences, our own successful and failures, that it takes some guts. It takes serious commitment, mm-hmm. serious resolve. I mean, you got you you have to understand that I may not feel good about my spouse all the time. I may not always like the way you look. I don't like the way you act. But because I'm committed to you yeah. and my love is deeper than my feelings, we're not going nowhere. And it takes 
serious, mature people to do that. That's why I say it's not for punks. It's not for weaklings. It's for full-grown adults. This book, uh, if you're not grown, don't pick it up. If you're not grown and ready is what I'll say. A couple of these. That's it. Hey, the title, the contents, as I was reading the contents, you know, I always start off reading a book. I, I read um, a, a few of the, the forewords in there. You got some good, good people that wrote in here. And I, I have to give a shout-out to Kevin Frazier um, from one of my favorite shows doing his entertainment. Yeah, that's yeah. my guy. A good, good guy, good guy, good brother. Yeah. But one of the topics, um, sorry, one of the chapters for people that, like I said, if you're not grown and you're not ready, don't pick this book up. But punks right. don't. Let's talk about what a punk is first before I get into the title of this book. <laughs> because when you hear punk, you think of a simp. And we know the word simp has been used a lot lately for people that think like you simp and now you're punking out. But pro, what is a punk in your book? What is a punk? Well, in my book, and I guess I have some more of a, 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 an old school definition because when I was growing up, a punk, I think I talked about this in the first chapter, uh-huh. a punk was somebody who was who was not ready for the challenge. Mm. A punk was somebody who was weak, somebody who makes excuses, somebody who ain't ready to stand up. I mean, when I, you know, when I was a kid, if you want to, if you want, if you want to, you seriously roll, you want to seriously fight, mm-hmm. they call somebody a punk, a punk, and it's like, oh, it's on, right? Yes, yeah, you know, it was on. But, so, so when I when I talk about a punk, I'm talking about specifically people who run at the first sight of danger, mm. people who are not willing to stay in and fight through every every, every difficulty. Because I'm here to tell you, I've seen some some relationships come. When I say the brink of divorce, yeah. I've had people whose name they've signed the papers, and when they've learned, when we talk to them, we've talked them off the ledge. Jeez. One couple I'm thinking of now, they. They were. It had a lot of physical violence where she used to hit him, and one day he had. He was fed up, and he literally knocked her out. I mean, cold. Oh my gosh! But they've been married for nineteen years now—an incredibly successful marriage because they worked through it. Now, I'm not advising that everyone does that. Mm-hmm. If your life is in danger, fine, you leave. And that's that's another part of that's another chapter I have in there. Is that punks know when to leave. They punks don't. I mean, you. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you you know when to leave. You, I mean, you know, you don't just stay in something that's going to destroy you. Mm-hmm. Uh, or rather, punks don't know when to leave. Punks but, don't know when but, to leave. Is but, the, yes, yes. Right. But for this couple, they said, you know what? We've had some hard challenges. We're going to work through this. Mm-hmm. And they did. They never hit each other again. Wow. They were never violent again. They forgave each other. And their marriage now is a model marriage. Almost, I guess, 27 years now. Well, that's good to know because that, but the thing that happens more than we even think about, than, than we know rather, to, to hear these it kind really, of things. Yeah, it's just hearing that you like, oh, wow, but it happens a lot. People around here fighting and stuff. Y'all better fight in, in other ways and then make up right. real nice. That's what, hey, listen, but I, 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 that part of that reminds me of this um, one of the chapters punks don't know how to argue. Because one of the things you did say about relationships, they do, and we always say it takes communication and transparency, but people don't do that. It's like we live for the, the wedding and not the marriage. Absolutely, absolutely. And arguing, one thing I point out in that chapter is that arguing is not the problem. Mm hmm. Resolving the arguing is, is resolving the, the the argument is the problem. How you argue? An argument only means that we are two intelligent people who have a disagreement. Yeah. That's a good thing. I don't want somebody who thinks exactly how I do. Okay. I don't want somebody who agrees with me all the time. I would challenge me, <laughs> call me out on my stuff, tell me I'm wrong. That's cool. <laughs> That's what an 
Arguments are simply two intelligent people who have a difference of opinion, and they're coming together to work out those differences so they can be one again. Mm. The challenge is how do we do that respectfully and, and, and showing each other value so that we actually accomplish the goal? So I talk about in that chapter how to talk to a person during an argument, talking at someone as opposed to talking with someone Ooh. or talking to yeah, Nobody wants to be talked at. You, when you talk at somebody, you're talking like you're talking to a sub, somebody who's lower than you. Let me, like tell a subordinate. you let me tell you, Pastor Cal, that right there, that would make me go mute on you in a minute. And I'm just going to look Absolutely. at you. Don't talk at me. Uh-uh. That's exactly. Exactly. And, and we would say, well, so it's not about the argument. We all expect disagreement. But it's how we resolve the disagreement. That's the, that's the challenge. And so what I give you in that chapter are tools to resolve a disagreement. When someone comes to me and says, oh, we had a bad fight, I'm like, great, that's good. That's, <laughs> that, 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 that is good. Okay, now how did you handle that bad argument? How, they how did you handle that? When, when you ask that, don't they look like, well, uh, do you get that when that, when you ask them that, well, uh, this is, and you are yeah, exactly. Know. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It, it didn't go right because sometimes, Pastor Cal, and I've been in situations before, and, I, and I've seen it with other people, many of us listen to respond. Yeah, I hear you, but here's what I got to say. You'd be like, well. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're absolutely right. And, and, and we talk about listening for understanding and listening for rebuttal. Mm. But sometimes people are only listening. It's almost like if I'm talking to you. And everything I say, you just catalog it. Okay, fine. Oh, you said that? Okay, fine. And I'm going to come back on that point. <laughs> I might have five points that I make, and only one of those is offensive. But you're going to forget the other four because you're going to jump on that one thing I said. Oh, so you're saying that, oh, oh so you're saying that, you know, you know, my, my mama ain't this or whatever. Oh. I'm not even talking about your mama. <laughs> you just had nothing to do with your mama. You're like, what? That ain't have nothing to do with you're not- no, you're not listening for understanding. You're listening for rebuttal. You're listening to continue the argument. And it takes time, it takes patience. It takes a lot of vulnerability and understanding to do that. And that is a part of your chapter, too, that punks know how to, Let me make sure that I say this correct. Punk, punks are afraid to get naked. But that is about yeah. vulnerability. And, and not just naked with your clothes off, which I want y'all to do in the bedroom with your spouse. Please make exactly. love to your spouse. But about the power of vulnerability <laughs> being naked with vulnerabilities. Absolutely. And, and, it, and it's afraid. It's a, it, there's a big fear in being vulnerable because... When I am vulnerable, I, I, I use this example in the book. It's like when I am, when I take that lower position or that that sensitive position, I'm giving you a weapon. Mm-hmm. I'm letting you know. I'm saying to you, "Hey, look, I'm I'm yielding myself to you." Right. And when I give you that weapon, you have a choice because I've just opened myself up. I've been vulnerable. I've told you things. I've told you some real sensitive stuff. Mm. And when I tell you that, you have the weapon now because you can either use that weapon to shoot me with it because I'm open, I'm exposed, my nerves are out there, I'm just completely open and vulnerable, or you can use that weapon and protect me. Yes. And I try to teach people, look, if someone's vulnerable to you, use that as an opportunity to show them that you're their protector. Come on. Use that as an opportunity to show them that that you are a safe place for them to land. I love this. I love this. That you're like like a safe blanket. Like, you know, I'm just going to fall out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just had a vision. I was falling out on a blanket because I'm tired. But, you know, another way. No, I'm kidding. But I am because this weather will get you down. But I, back in this book, 
And as you talk about that, being safe and being secure and feeling secure, I want to roll back because the other chapter, Communicating Like a Punk, this is very interesting. Because one thing that I noticed, you don't always have to say stuff. Or the way you put gestures in here under the seven pathways of communication. Sometimes the the tone, I've seen people, it's the, okay, and I'll be very transparent. I recently got into a a, a little bit of a disagreement because the way he looked at me. I just felt I was looked at wrong. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> How do you handle the way somebody looked at you? They don't have to say nothing. It's written all over your face. You know the song. You don't have to say a word. And it was all over right. his face. And I was You know, upset. the funny thing is, when we, think of, when we talk about communication, we think that communication is only, it's, it's only words. Mm-hmm. But actually, we communicate with what we say and what we don't say. Yes. We communicate with what we do and what we don't do. And it's like, so if I am, if I am actually, um, if I'm actually um, saying something, and, and it's like if I'm say, if I'm asking for forgiveness, or if I'm saying I'm sorry, and I said I said I'm sorry, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, no, that's not an apology. Now you did say I'm sorry, but the tone of it, yeah. the pitch of it, completely just discredited anything that I'm trying to say. It is complete, and so we have to all we have to always look at not just what we're saying. Mm-hmm. We have to look at how we're saying it. We have to look at our pitch, and it, it takes work. It takes work to be able to say to talk to a person and make sure you're not rolling your eyes and make sure you're not, <laughs> uh, you know, clapping and you know, you know how people say, you know, I told and all that kind of yeah, crap. the clap the weak so syllable. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be careful with that because um, the fact is, you know, if someone is not if someone is not um, doing that, mm-hmm. then, you know, if, if they're talking in a way that that that's driving you away, irrespective, they, they're never going to get the message of what you're trying to say. <laughs> they're never going to get the message. You know, I, I yeah, people, I, I, I've had those those conversations where you look at somebody. I've even had to work on not folding my hands when I'm talking yeah. to people. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I talk about this is like pointing at somebody. Yeah, when I'm talking, I'm pointing at you. You'll notice that you know, um, even even public speakers now, especially you notice the president mm-hmm. when they talk. Well, the ones who got sense, but when they talk. <laughs> Uh, I'll leave that alone. Yeah. They don't point. You know, they'll 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 put their hand up. They'll put up their thumb, but they don't point mm-hmm. because that's seen as an aggressive gesture. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so there's so many things that we can learn about communicating. But the basic thing is understand that communicating is not about what you say. Uh, you, your speech is only a small portion of it. That's why I gave seven pathways to it. Yes, you did. Your eyes, your gestures, your silence, your tone. And silence is a big deal. Oh, let's but talk about silence. Make, yes. Yeah. But sometimes your silence can be a weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, you can weaponize your silence. Sure it's like can. if somebody, if you're, if, if you know, you, you're in an argument, okay, well, forget it. How you, well, you got anything? Nope. I ain't going to say nothing. Nope. I'm, nope. I'm good. <laughs> nope. But, and, you, and you stay silent. And you know your partner wants to talk. And you don't say nothing. You have turned your silence into a weapon, and it's speaking loud. That silence is speaking louder than anything you could verbally say. Wow! It's saying you don't matter. It really is. It really is. And you know, Pastor Cal, I, I, you know, 
I, I want people to be real about this. And I was going to take phone calls. I know people, I don't know if they're a little nervous to call in, but if you have time, I'll just give the number out. If they call in, it's on them. Go ahead. 773-591-1690. Pastor Cal is on the line. Marriage ain't for punks. We recommended your book last week, just to let you know. And just to have awesome. you. Yes, we did. Because um, we have one of my callers, Smoking Joe. He calls in. He's doing his homework. He has become a student of my show. I am not certified at all, but I just talk about stuff that, that I've been through and that I'm going through and conversations that I have with, with associates and friends of mine. And it's real life stuff. And a lot of us, um, but again, 773-591-1690. Pastor Cal is on the line, author of Marriage Ain't for Punks, and he is television's number one relationship expert. Listen, I bring him in. Now, y'all scared now, you know, they calling in asking me. I want them to ask you because from a married person's point of view, you can give much more of the, I don't want to just say advice, but wisdom. And as we talk about this, Pastor Cal, we were talking about different apologies. You know what my favorite apology is? Oof. What is it? Well, I'm sorry if you felt that I made you feel that way. Don't you, don't even apologize to me then if I made you, yeah. if you felt that way. I'm sorry if you felt yeah. that way. What is that? It's not an apology. It's not an apology. It's not an apology at all. Um, you know, whatever I'm counseling people, and they say you get that kind of foolishness, I, I stop them and I say, okay, let's 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 do that again. Right. Because there's no question as to whether or not the person felt a certain way. You wouldn't be apologizing if they weren't offended. Yeah. So so you don't have to say I apologize if you feel that you know. No, you're that that's a backhanded insult. Mm-hmm. What you're actually saying is. You ain't got no business feeling that way. Mm-hmm. You ain't got no business feeling that way, you know, because I ain't do nothing to you. So you shouldn't even be feeling like that. But if you're feeling that way, I'm just sorry you are. <laughs> really? And I'm supposed to take that as an apology? Oh, and by the time they and you look at them when they say it, be like, if I'm feeling this way, then you want to accept the apology. But then you'd be like, wait a minute, what? Then it's a whole yeah. other argument. For, it's uh, a very simple, just simply say, you know what? I was wrong. I sincerely apologize. Mm. Period. And then shut up. You know, Pastor Cal, I accept your apology and you ain't even do nothing to me with that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> with that statement right there, you said I'm sincerely. So I'm like, man, I accept your apology. And you didn't do anything <laughs> at all, but I accept that. Exactly. <laughs> because that's how, that's how we say, but that's what it is. And I talk about proactive apology. Yes. Where you, you take the initiative to apologize as soon as you know you've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you proactively, you go in there and you say, you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. And then there's the reactive apology where is you only re, you only apologize because somebody caught you in something. And so you're reacting with an apology. That could be good or bad. Right. Sometimes you mean, I know you did something wrong. And they say, you know what? You really hurt me that time. Oh, dang. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Thanks for letting me know. You know, I'm really going to work on that. That's reactive also. Mm-hmm. And then the inactive apology is where you don't even apologize. But you just do something nice for that person and act like everything's okay. Ain't nothing happening. Yeah, I, yeah, that that don't work. I'll take the purse, but you still got to apologize, you know. Exactly. I, yeah, <laughs> I'll take this. This did not happen, okay? For somebody to be like, no, that did not happen. You still take just, the product, but you still go still I'm mad. I'm still mad. I'm still a little upset, but the product is nice on my wrist. But no, but these are different things in different ways now that you can help people through their marriages and relationships. But I want to share something that I, I saw on CNN and Pastor Cal, they put this shout out to CNN or whoever runs their social media. And I'm not sure if this came across your um, IG timeline or even your just your CNN alerts. But Pastor Cal, this is from relationships and it the, the headline 
it is Americans are less likely to have sex, partner up, and get married now than ever. First of all, what do you think about the title? And they give statistics in here that we're the least. Now, what is the, mm-hmm. the title? It said that, that, that Americans are less likely. Yes, to have to sex, have- partner up, and get married than ever. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. During the, especially, there, there are some social, there are some social issues you got to consider here. Yes. Because during the pandemic, especially, I know in, in 2020, the Pew Research um, organization did a, a survey as they do every year about um, about marriages, and they found that divorces actually decreased in in 2020 and probably in 2021. I'm wondering whether or not the CN report is piggybacking on that. And the reason that that divorces decreased was because people couldn't get to the courthouse. <laughs> so not well, because they, they want were, to, but because they couldn't mean, No, no, no. Right. Everything shut down. And you could you get divorced <laughs> online. Right. So so, so there, th- that was one reason for it. But when they said that people are less likely, I think that what we're seeing also is we're seeing that a lot of younger people are, are, are have a, they have a different attitude about marriage, a different attitude about coupling up. I mean, I have I have three children. Uh, I have my youngest. My daughter is twenty one, and my son is twenty eight. I have one who's thirty, mm-hmm. and and my younger kids have different attitudes about relationships. They're not so quick to partner up. They're not so quick yeah, to marry. I noticed that with with different generations as well. It is, and so I think that this also plays a part. When you say Americans are more likely to, I think you have to break that up also in, in, in demographics. Mm-hmm. So I think older people, like 40 and up, they still trying to get married. That's me. That's but, my generation. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. So you got to look at that from a, from, from, from a generational perspective also. I don't think it's just like everybody all of a sudden that we don't want nobody. Because I think as long as we live, we're all going to want people. And even these younger people, as soon as they get a little bit older, them clocks start, t- start ticking. They'll, they'll, they'll get it. See, we are, and time is undefeated. Time is undefeated, and you know it is. Come on now. At the end of yeah, the, absolutely. You can get all the money, but time is undefeated. Well, it did say, just to um, give some more clarification, 26% of Americans, and this, here's the numbers, ages 18 and up, that they didn't even have sex over the past year. And this is, why? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Wow. The two years with the highest, the next highest percentage of adults saying that they didn't have sex in 2016, um, Okay, they don't give the number again. They, they didn't do this right. I'm trying to read this. Next highest percentage. Didn't have sex in the past year. Was, okay, 2016, it was 23%. In 2018, they stayed level, 2016 and 2018. But that's the same age group. And what do you think it is just about the younger generation? Like you said, with your, your, your child that's 18, 18 years old, which they're an adult now, but, but what is it? Yeah, well, 21. She, no, she's 21. 21, but okay. They, yeah, but I, I, first of all, I don't want her to have, be having sex. She no, she good. Yeah, yeah. I told, yes. I, I told I don't need her out here doing this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, not since she's thirty five. Yo, thirty five. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm just I'm a ridiculous father. <laughs> but the thing is, I I think that um, I think that what's happening with a lot of younger people. Actually, you know, I, I read this, some some some. There's some some study out there that says that people. Um, the, the the millennial generations actually mm-hmm. are a lot different from the um, well, Generation Z, people born like after 2000. They're quite different from, you know, the millennial. Right. I think the millennials kind of switch things around. I think we're seeing I think we're seeing sort of a, a 
almost people coming back to kind of a, a you know, they're, 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 they're kind of stabilizing things, you know, mm-hmm. for, you know, my daughter, you know, they're, I mean, their, their philosophies are different and they're, the ways they look at relationships, they're more accepting. I mean, my, my generation, you know, I'm a, I'm a yuppie. You're my a yuppie. generation, okay. yeah, my generation even, you know, they were, it took us a while to even accept homosexuality. I was going to say that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then so, you know, because it, was, it wasn't anything that was talked about in society, not, you know, and, and, you know, it was, it was weird and, you know, but now... You know, younger people, they've been so socialized into the way things are that it's like everyone's accepting everything, which I'm not saying that that's a bad thing at all. Mm -hmm. I believe that it's great that people are being accepted. And I think that, you know, uh, but I think they do have a much more open, a much more, um, yeah, I think think they're they're sitting back, they're they're looking at relationships, they're taking their time, Mm -hmm. and they're just, um, they're, they're in no hurry to do anything. They're, they're just not in a hurry. I just, I yep. just, well, I even think too, but is that going to leave off the legacy of more children down the line? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, and that, that's a little scary. It that's is. a little scary. But I, um, one thing that I, you know, talking to my own kid, she was saying that, um, that, you know what, I don't have any need to. She's a young girl, beautiful girl, 21 years old. I think she's, I think she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, Dad, I don't have any real need to, you know, not maybe till I'm like my late 20s am I going to really think about anything. I don't talk about having a child maybe like when I'm in my 30s. And, you know, but I think they still want it. Yeah. But I still think it's, it's too early for them. And as time goes on and they start seeing the necessity of, of settling down and having a family, I think I think they'll, they'll, they'll pull it through for us, I, I honestly. Okay. Are, are you, because I'm, I'm an advocate for it. I didn't think that, I knew that I always wanted a family and a husband, but I didn't make it a priority. I didn't. I made my right. career. Yeah, my career was my priority. It, it was. And in some ways it still is my priority, but I, I think we lose the essence of balance sometimes too. Yeah. And I, and they're not that interested. I mean, they're, they're going to school, but like they're not as interested in going to, in, in, in getting, you know, you know, materialism and all that stuff. It's, it's a whole different feel. It's like, you know, I've talked to so many young kids who went to college and quit and then they're doing alternative stuff now. They're, they're not even, they're not really, they're not into making it like we did. You know, it's, it's a whole different kind of thought process. Most of them are really um, doing, following their passions, if you will. And, and Exactly. Yeah. They are. And there's nothing wrong with their that. Passion. Yeah. No, there's not. I wish I could have And one, another reason is because we, as their parents, have made it easy for them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we've been relatively successful, and we want to make sure that they don't struggle. Yes. So they're like, my daughter ain't never had to struggle. Okay. You know, my <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she don't know what struggle looks like. You're like, uh, no, you didn't struggle. Exactly. So, um, you know, they've never had to struggle. So, they, you know, the only, you know, resort, result is for them, you know, I want to do what I really want to do. I want to follow my passion, you know. It's, mm. I don't know. It's a different kind of thing. It is a different kind of thing. But, you know, coming back, like you, you said, with the 40 and up, which is my generation, we still want to get married. So to many of us who exactly. haven't, yeah, we haven't, we, I know I do. And the my, my significant other, he, we, we talk about it. And I'm very interested in it. I just know that many people act like marriage is a death sentence. And and this brings me to your chapter, 
married people, what is this? They don't make love, they screw. That chapter chapter caught my eye immediately. Because what happens is, like the gentleman in the chapter that I was was reading it, he cheated on his wife because he didn't, he couldn't be with one woman. But I like how you, yeah, yeah, I like, is that, that's a real couple? We don't. You're trying to get the tea. I'm trying to get you all the tea. Seasons. All, yes, all, with a little sugar. Yes. All these couples, again, I'm beginning each chapter with a, with a, with a couple and, and their story. All these couples are taken from real situations. Mm-hmm. Now, I've changed a lot of scenarios. I've ch- definitely changed the names. So mm-hmm. you, you, you'll never know who they are. But, yes, that's based on uh, a real situation. All these, all these are based on situations that I've kind of moved around, taking some creative license to make sure that their privacy is protected. Okay. But um, yeah, they, they all ha- are, are based on real situations. Yeah. And the, and, the, and the whole thing is that this gentleman, I mean, he was so used to Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was <laughs> so he was so used to sex that he couldn't really he couldn't he couldn't shift his gears after he got married. Yeah. A lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, but but that how how true is that for a lot of people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're leaving so many bodies. They got so many bodies. Come on, when they get married, it's like you mean I just got one now, one body, one body. Yeah, and that's the way it's designed, and that's why people come up with these crazy ideas that your monogamy is out of out of, out of is. Monogamy is not natural and all that. Yes, yes. I don't believe that. Come on. Uh, see, Pastor Kale, say it again for the folk because I don't believe it either. I, I think. No. Uh, yeah. I believe monogamy. I think monogamy leads to uh, a, a stable household. It leads to, um, uh, you know, very, it leads to success. Mm-hmm. I think people who can, who can pair with one person and and create something with that person it leads to more success i'm not even talking about the spiritual uh part of it i'm just talking about just the logical part yeah yeah you know i mean i i've had relatives who have had open marriages Mm -hmm. and you know and have told me about their open marriages and and that stuff didn't end up well Mm. you know the one i'm thinking about now is divorce because it just i mean it sounds good but no it doesn't end up well because at the end of the day we are jealous people. Come on here. We want someone for ourselves. We don't want to share. We don't want to share. I, I don't want to. Sh- I'm not sharing my wife. I'll, I'll take somebody out. Listen, I'm not sharing my wife. This ain't no show and tell. On the end of the circle. No, it's not. No. It's not that kind of party. This is not. No, and you know we are a selfish people. I I personally don't believe it, and I know a lot of people do. But that's and I'm I, I don't. Yes, thank you, because that's what I talk about over here. Um, monogamy, monogamy. Yeah, monogamous I'm a big fan of monogamy. I'm not. I'm not into. Uh, I don't believe that you know um, that there's any. I don't think that there's any good mm-hmm. that comes out of sharing partners. I just don't. Well, thank yeah, you for that, care. Pastor Cal. I want to talk about Jerry's chapter a little bit, um, chapter 12. This is <laughs> this is why y'all have to get the book, Marriage Ain't for Punks. Please, it's a no-nonsense guide to building a lasting relationship. And I'm talking to the author of this book, Pastor Cal. This chapter, as we talked about the different ways to apologize, but you talk about different kinds of lovers in this chapter. And without giving too much away, we brought up Jerry's situation because he couldn't, he, he, he still was feeling the urge to be out there, mm-hmm. Jerry didn't let you know. He didn't let his past go for real, for real. How yep, often, yep. Yeah. How often is that? 
Oh, that's that that that's more common than you would think. Mm-hmm. That's more common than you would think. That people find it very difficult to let their their to to make the transition. Yeah, and it it's very it's a very difficult thing. I think that quite often um, people forget that when I when I'm having sex with someone, I, I I create a tie with them. I'm creating a bond with them. It's more than just skin on skin. That you're actually creating there, there's some there's an attachment and you can you can say that it's 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 just sex uh but for mature people it is more than just sex it, mm. it I've, I've very seldom seen where it's you know we just we just having sex now with him uh jerry in the book, in the book um yeah. he had a very prolific sex life before he before he got married and then uh he had all these all these bodies and all these strings that were not cut and so when he got married, um, he was trying to have a connection with his wife, but he had all these different strings and all these different memories and all these different thoughts mm-hmm. that now he had to compare to his wife. And it became incredibly difficult for him because every time she did not do something that 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 pleased him or she didn't do this this the way this girl did, or she didn't do this the way that girl did it. It became a big problem to him. Right. And, and they uh, so their marriage did not work. Um, and so it, I think that, and this is a model that I, what, what I often tell people that when, if you've had a, a sex life that's a pretty you know a full sex life, and and now you're trying to get married, mm-hmm. I don't suggest you meet anybody. And marry quickly. I suggest you take a period of of, of abstinence. Mm. Okay, so break that down for me, Pastor Cal, because that's interesting. A period of if abstinence. you've been, okay. uh, yeah, if you've been screwing around a whole lot, mm-hmm. and now you want to settle down, the last thing you don't you don't need to come from having three, four, five, six, seven partners, and then okay, fine, I'll pick one out of that one, and then I'm gonna settle down with this one, mm-hmm. and let's get married. No, that's not the way it works. Because those other six or seven or 10 or 15 or 20, however many it is, there's still strings attached to them. I believe that in order for you to have that one person, if you're looking for a permanent long-term relationship, there needs to be a period where you get those other people out of your system. Okay. And how, now, how long do you think that should be? It, it, has, it varies. But I tell you this one thing, that if you're serious about marriage, and if you're serious about being with one person and having a long-term relationship, it makes sense. Now, cutting strings will look different for everybody. But, however, I can tell you about one gentleman I knew okay. who actually went back and apologized to all the women that he had been screwing. He had to go back and apologize because for him, he had to cutting – the cutting ties with them meant he had to go to them – talk to them and literally tell them, I'm sorry, I was a dog, A, B, C, D, E, I I was wrong, and I need your forgiveness, and I'm cutting ties, and I'm letting you know that that I'm, you know, that I'm I'm changing. And for him, he had to cut all those ties Mm -hmm. of of as many women as he could remember, and and then focus on this one woman and say, you know what, and, and just date her without having sex for a while. Pastor Cal, how did he go back and apologize to these women? What did they say to him? Girl, it wasn't easy. Well, look, I'm telling you, some of them, you know, cut them out. Some, (laughs) you know. Like, what you calling me for? Like, what? Exactly. But it wasn't for them. It was for him. 
Some of them cussed him out. Some of them said, you know what, give me back, you know, this or give me back that. You still got my property or what have you. But he, he had to do all that. Mm-hmm. And he had to go through it because this was his way. And this is just one gentleman. But this was his way of purging himself mm-hmm. and cutting ties with his past so he could start over. Okay, now. He needed to be sexually reborn. Sexually reborn. And a lot of people, when they hear sexually reborn, they feel, so they feel like they need to be prayed out of them. They don't need to pray it out of them. It's just like some steps they need to take. I ain't mentioned prayer. Prayer is a wonderful thing. I believe in it, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you doing the, I'm talking about you doing, you making the actions. I'm talking about you taking the steps. Mm. You steps to cut your, to cut off those ties and to focus on one person. And if I'm coming out of multiple sexual relationships and then I'm going right into one that I plan on being permanent, it's not going to work. It's very difficult for that to for that to succeed because you have too much baggage. Wow. And baggage that they don't leave at, they don't check their baggage, they just carry it on and then they want to have an eight piece load. We're not talking about carry ons, we're talking about trunks. <laughs> you know. <laughs> not the trunks. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so even on the show, I, I try to I tell people, listen, if, um, if you're going to be married, uh, if you're going to continue this process, this is before we even get them to the altar. I mean, we're talking weeks and weeks before I get to the altar. I say, here's the deal. We ask them, when was your last relationship? Mm-hmm. And the people who are most appealing are the people who have already cut those ties. Mm. I don't want people who say, well, you know, I, I just screwed somebody. I one guy that said, I just, well, I just screwed somebody this past weekend. No, he didn't. Okay, well, th- yeah, I'm like, oh, thank you so much for applying. God bless you. And <laughs> no, <laughs> you ain't ready. Oh, but but why do people really think that they're ready? I believe in, like you said, tying up loose ends, and you said like a sexual app, like abs. Did you say sexual abstinence? I want to make sure. Abstinence, being abstinent, yeah, which means and, and people often say celibacy, but I, I look at celibacy more as a religious thing. Like the Catholic Church believes in celibacy, where you're you're taking a vow. But abstinence means I'm just not doing it, you know. So, okay. But that's that's just that's just me. But anyway, go ahead, Pascal. We got a couple of calls. If you don't mind taking these calls for me, I know I don't sure, want to keep you too long. But Mary is on the line. She would like to ask you a question, Pastor Cal. Mary is on the line. Um, you're on the line, Mary, with Pastor Cal of Mary. He's the author of Mary Jane for Punks and Relationship Expert. How you doing this evening, Mary? You on VON? Great. What is your stance on um, sex? Before marriage, do you think that it's uh, abstinence would be a good thing if you are going into uh, a serious relationship, yet if you've had sex, you've got all these spirits of all these other relationships still Mm -hmm. in your spirit. So what is your stance on completely not having sex? until the commitment is made and solidified in terms of what, whether or not if there's a legal contract or if you go to Vegas. Right. But bottom line is, what is, your, what is your advice, especially to our young men who pressure girls? They, you know, girls get pressured into sex. You know, yeah. but sometimes they, the they, girls they do have too. a And right, that's true. Bottom line is I just want to know what the pastor's stance is for this generation because, Thank you. man, so many things are, are considered normal now that are just really not that good for us. All right. Thank you, Mary. Yeah. And, and it's kind of it's, it's, it's kind of scary. Here's my thing, and I think this goes a little bit about what, into what we were just talking about a little bit, is that 
Okay, is abstinence the best thing? Um, I believe that if I, I always admire people who who hold themselves wait until marriage, and so that the whole sexual relationship, the whole sexual experience can happen with that person, and they can learn everything with that person, and they can grow with that person. Mm. Now, I'm just talking about I'm, I'm talking I'm talking about from a spiritual, but also a sociological perspective, and and, and just an uh, a psychological perspective that if I'm growing in love with one person and I'm, I'm learning about sex and I'm doing all that with this one person, of course, this is going to be my standard. So my closest friends um, that I have, that I know one of my closest couples, they've been married for 37 years and she was his first. Mm. I mean, rather, I'm sorry. He was her first. Okay. He was her first and, but he had very little experience before her. But when I tell you that after 37 years, you see them together, and they act like they act like teenagers Aww. because they are their own. They they have created the sexual standard for themselves. They are not. They have no one else to compare themselves to. Right. He's not comparing her to any other woman, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. They are their own. They've created their 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 marital standard. That is the ideal. Now, in our society, now everybody says, "Well, I want to try it before I want to test it." Yeah. You know and I'm not going to say that that's ridiculous. I understand why people say that. But look, sex is like walking. You know, yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> you know, it, 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 the, the, the plumb, as long as the plumbing is there, as long as the plumbing is adequate, and y'all can have those conversations, sure. There's nothing wrong with talking, talking openly and honestly about sex and about sexuality. Uh-huh. But the bottom line is, if you're choosing, uh, if you think that you need to test it before you get married, I mean, that's ridiculous. You don't have to test it. No, you don't have to test it. It it it'll work. Yeah. Well, now, <laughs> that's okay. I'm gonna tell you. Uh huh. There are some exceptions. Oh, definitely. There are. I some was gonna exceptions. ask about that. Okay. 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 Some of the exceptions I've seen is when people are, are, are they've been very religious, um, and 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 there's there are things called vagin. There's a condition called vaginismus, where you know your muscles can actually lock up because oh. of guilt. Um, so I know I've known women to have that, uh-huh. um, where they, they, because they've gone their whole lives without it, they, you know, they can't make that transition because you can't go from virginity. All of a sudden the preacher says a few words, married, Hey, my leg's wide open. They're, it's a little different. <laughs> it is. Pastor, I'm sorry. Is that too great? No, Pascal, <laughs> we keep it real on this show, but I do have a question for you. Do you have about 10 more minutes to talk with me? Cause I got another call. You let me know. Okay. You let us know because okay, I, 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 can, I can give you five more. Let's do five. Okay. Can you do that for us? If you don't mind holding, I got Anita when we come back. We got to take a quick break. Lines are lit. We got Pastor Cal on the line. Marriage ain't for punks. The author and apparently, uh, you know, we had a little technical difficulties during the break. We're going to work it out. Pastor Cal, how you doing? You still with me? I'm but I'm awesome. All right. We're going to take these calls. These lines are lit. Y'all, he has to go in a little while, so we got to be real quick with the questions. Anita, how you doing, Anita? You are on VON with Pastor Cal. Uh, hey, Anita. Okay. Uh, first of all, to get married and have children, because I believed in being fruitful and multiplying. I don't know what other people do. Oh, okay. So I was having children. My husband had better have his little self at home and have my money. Or me and him was going to have to discuss things different. And I don't marry men, because if I get married and they don't want to have children when I was younger, because mm-hmm. if I got pregnant, I wouldn't have an abortion. But you had to be lit and on and crunk and all the whole thing. 
Okay, so him talking about he and all these relationships, I do not take contraceptives. I will not take a contraceptive for a man. If he wants that, he's going to have to use it himself, and I may not want him if he's using one. Okay, and that's just so, how Anita, I So, roll. Anita, what's your so question, sister? Places, what's your, what's your question, know. Anita? My question is, how somebody going to keep up with all of that, plus if the women were not using a birth control, he couldn't keep up with all those women having children and taking care of himself and working and trying to develop himself and the children. I mean, he's just out there doing what? He can't figure out what he's doing, and he got all this in his spirit. He ain't got nothing in his spirit but confused. So, Anita, what's your question? <laughs> oh, my question is, do you think he confused instead of all sexualized? The man that does Yeah, the man that has a lot of women. Okay. 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 Well, I, I, I think if I'm, I'm trying to answer, I'm trying to follow you. I, I think that, you know, he was confused. And I think the most people who, um, most people who, who do have those kinds of relationships, the, the guy that I'm talking about in the book, he didn't have, he actually didn't make any other children. He was, he did have protection and he was out there just doing his thing. I think the, the real problem here was that he, um, he didn't realize just, how many that that uh, that having sex actually makes a sexual connection, mm. and so when he tried to turn that off, he could. I think that was the big deal with him. Now for you, um, I think you're right because if he had run into you, you probably would have shut it down and said, "Nope, uh, uh-uh, this is we're gonna have a baby and be done with it." So that's. What... <laughs> <laughs> or if I get pregnant, <laughs> right? So. I... <laughs> You better, or else I'm gonna choke you and kill you too. Oh wow! Okay. Oh yeah, Jesus! Okay. Yeah, Thank you, Anita. All right. All right. Well, okay, Pastor Cow, is that all for? That's okay. That's okay. blessed. Yes, I'm with her. Yes. Okay. Let's... Quickly, Mama D. Hey, Mama D. You are on VON with Pastor Cow. How you doing? Oh, this well, how, how are you? Greetings. Long ago, my husband and I were guest panelists on the Oprah Winfrey Show. Okay. And we talked about mental intercourse. So my question is, can uh, oh, oh, can people have an Internet affair? And when they spend hours talking on the phone, can they emotionally uh, commit adultery? Mm. Very great question. And that is something that we do talk about in the book. And I think the che- and I talk about sex uh, affairs in the head versus affairs in the bed. Mm. And, and And there is. I think sometimes, especially now, with when you did that interview on on Oprah, um, there, we didn't have the same kind of uh, social media connection that we have now. And people can, I mean, people can go online and just create an affair. Uh, you can even talk to people online. There's video online. I mean, you can do anything online except touching a person. And I have talked to people who say, look, well, is it really an affair because we didn't really have sex? We just, you know, I just had an emotional thing. But we forget that the mind does not know how to tell the difference. Okay. That if I am talking to you, the same emotions are being generated if I'm just talking to you online and seeing you online as if I'm seeing you in, in, real, in real life. You know, the same oxytocin, the same uh, hormones are being released, the same excitement is there. So, yeah, I mean, it, uh, an affair in the head can be just as bad as an affair in the bed. Mm. So, yes, there are definitely emotional affairs, which is why I tell people, listen, 
if you're going to be serious about marriage and serious about your relationship, you and your spouse need to have complete and absolute access to each other's social media. Mm. Say that again. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. Complete. You, you ha- I mean, look, if you're going to be real with it, you know, you have to have access to each other's social media. I don't and see a problem the- with that. I agree with that. Ah. Yeah. I mean, look, marriage is, marriage is over. My wife knows every passcode I got. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't have any, I don't have anything that she can't, she can't access and vice versa. So, so that's, that's complete openness, honesty, and, and just complete exposure to one another. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, uh, Pastor Cal. Mama D, any, how did you feel about that, Mama D? Any other questions? Uh, well, uh, I, I'm convinced that, that to me, uh, uh, that's the same as, uh, like he said, it's the same thing because the same emotions and everything is involved. And and I think people, uh, it, it, it's the same as cheating with your wife in the yeah. room while you're talking to this woman for three hours on the phone. Mm. That's like Absolutely. It's an, it's an emotional affair. You're absolutely right. All right, okay. Mama D. Thank you so much. That hey. was a good question. Thank you, Mama D. And Pascal, thank you yeah. for that one. Our, our last call, I believe, is Brother Art is on the line. Hey, Brother Art, you're on the line with Pastor Cal. How you doing this evening? All right, young people. And I, I do enjoy watching the uh, psychology of the Mary at First Sight. Um, it's just a statement. Um, I could answer Mama D with no PhD. Of course, it's cheating if you mm. land up on the phone talking to a man or a woman on the internet and all other stuff. It's cheating. That's what it is. You still haven't made a commitment. And most of it is a lack of a commitment. A piece of paper does not make you committed. It's a process that I would like to ask the doctor, do he think that the paperwork and all this other stuff has nothing to do with the fact that whether you're going to be committed to the process of development with two people going into a relationship or developing a relationship? Okay, you said now that the piece of paper, you're talking about the actual marriage, marriage license. You know, people always believe because you swap IDs, somehow that, that actually makes that makes the, uh, a marriage. And they're not realize it's just a legal contract. The marriage is all about a, a commitment. And if you ain't committed, yeah. it doesn't matter how many pieces of paper you have. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, th- I think that you, you, if you look at this from, from just historically, from the, uh, you know, the from historical marriages, I mean, you know, let's look at it from the Judeo-Christian uh, uh, tradition. You know, in the, you know, in the Bible, when people got married, you, you, everybody knows the Christmas story. How Joseph, the Bible says that Joseph was betrothed to Mary. They weren't married yet, but he was engaged to her. And when they found out that she was pregnant, they were going to put, you know, there were people were saying put her away. Well, back then, an engagement had just as much commitment as uh as a marriage you know so it was there was no such thing as you know well we just we just chilling we just chilling no, they, they took the engagement they took the, the the courtship just as seriously as the marriage and i believe that people when you if you're going to look at marriage as that the, the paper means something it doesn't mean something well yeah because you know you you have to i mean it it is it does legally bind you together however you need to be married in your mind. You need mm-hmm. to be married in your heart. You need to be married in your soul long before you walk down that aisle and you're married in the courtroom. That's why I said it's all about commitment. And most of the people, and you and I watched the show from that perspective, making the statement, 
is stuck on foolishness. And if you mm. can't get past your foolishness and your silly, your silly, silly little ways, you're never going to be anything. And that's the, basically what it is. People play these little games yeah. of hiding between each other. It's all about a commitment and the journey of learning to love someone is what the whole experience is about. But I'll leave you with that and may God continue to bless. Wow. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Okay. Well, Pastor Cal, this has been very interesting. Very, very, very interesting. I want to uh, thank you so much for talking with me. How and when can we see you on the show on um, Marriage at First Sight. Marriage at First Sight is every Wednesday on Lifetime. Uh, We're right in the the, the beginning. I think we're in the seventh episode for this season. Um, But we're right every Wednesday night on Lifetime at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. Uh, So, yep, so you can see I'm on there every Wednesday night. Uh, You can contact me on Instagram. I am Calvin Roberson, C-A-L-V-I-N-R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N on Instagram. Uh, same name on Facebook, or you can visit my website, calvinroberson.com, to to find my book. You can find it wherever books are sold. Just Google it or go to my website or wherever you'll find the book. Pastor Roberson, and thank you for allowing me to call you Pastor Cal. I feel I'm a part of the family (laughs) right now. Shout out to Wendy. And and tell her that the red dress that I wear, I'm a six. (laughs) I can, you know. (laughs) She was she was she was fierce, wasn't she? And listen, I, and I I love the way you love on your wife, and and I want you to Aww. keep. Yes, I love that. I love to see black men loving on their wives. I, I yeah, just, that's I, my girl. Oh, I, I love to see it, and that y'all have a real friendship as well as a oh, love absolutely. Talking about she wants to be yeah, friends. Okay. Yeah, okay, Wendy. She crazy. She crazy too. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> A lot of us are. You know, just what kind of crazy you can handle. You can handle a crazy. Yeah, it's, no, it's wonderful crazy, though. It's awesome. <laughs> well, Pastor Cal, I want to thank you for spending your time with us and talking tonight. Thank I you have so your much. book here with me, Marriage Ain't for Punks, and neither was this conversation. Thank you, brother. You have a great rest of your evening, okay? Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.